1: Welcome to the Iron Woman Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, do you know what I finally did this past weekend? It's taken me like four weeks to get this done, but I'm really proud of myself. Uh, do you have any guesses? You unpacked your bike. No, that actually hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like overestimate me. Um, I finally saw the Taylor Swift movie. So uh, I'm like, I finally got myself to the theater. I was in town this weekend. I went and saw it. I actually was very worried that it wasn't going to be showing in Bozeman anymore. And so I got myself there and it was everything it was hyped up to be. It was incredible. I I loved it. I mean, it just went with all the Taylor Swift news from the weekend. And uh, you know, I I'm just enjoying it. It was, it was very cool. Even having been to the concert, definitely when you're at the concert, you only get one angle right of your seat. And when you get to watch the movie, it's like every angle and you definitely catch up on some pieces that you missed during the show. So it was, it was a fun time. Oh man. I, I do need to check if it's still playing here too. Our theater is so small. I am a little
2: worried. I missed it, but I can say I watched like TikToks and reels of her show in Argentina a million times, probably the same amount of time combined that it would be like a feature length film. Um, Her show down there and all of the fun that went along with that. But and at home lately, Haley, we've been like trying to we have family coming for Thanksgiving, so the pressure is on to try and do a couple of home improvement projects. So I spent a lot of the last weekend just like painting the basement. And so I think though, like maybe I can come up with a reason to go to Home Depot for like three hours next weekend when we're supposed to be installing the flooring down there and be like, oh, it's just taking a really long time. But
1: You know i'll be there i'll be back soon with like what we need and maybe i can
2: escape to see the see the movie
1: i mean i think it's it's watching one of the greatest entertainers i've ever seen up close and you also get to see her her dancers a little bit more up close her backup singers her band and they are just incredible it's incredible and i find it like inspiring and it actually inspires me to like work harder and you know just do a really good job in my craft because that's obviously what she does and I think that it could help you like actually with your painting or floor installation, um, you know, in that way where you're like, you know, if she can put on a show like that, I'm going to make my family have the best possible Thanksgiving. And so I will get that floor done right after this. That's so true. Like, of course, there's going to be a way to roast the turkey and everything else you need to
2: cook in like a short amount of time. Right. Like but what would Taylor do? She would just find a way and make it happen. This is, this yeah. is going to be my mantra.
1: Yeah. Otherwise I think she's pretty, um, pretty good on the restaurant scene. So she might know (laughs) where to order it from, which is like a woman after my own heart. Uh, are you, how's your knee feeling while you're doing these painting and home improvement projects? It's, you know, it's feeling okay. Um,
2: I will say a new thing that's popped up over the last few days. It seems like the pattern seems to be I go to my PT on Thursday, I get like the green light to do some new things. And that means like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm constantly questioning, like, is this normal? What's going on? Why is this happening as it kind of reaches the next stage of like progression with things. And so this week, I started being able to do some leg press, Haley, which was very exciting. Um, And I'm trying to build quad strength. And then yeah, like Saturday, I swam masters. And then I I'm still swimming just with a pole buoy. But then I came back and I was starting to paint and I did put the knee brace on because I have this like, inter- it's like noisy now. It's like very, very noisy. It sounds like a rocking chair a lot of times when I like go to sit down or stand up or bend it. It's not painful. The noises aren't pain, but it's been very noisy. And so I have an appointment with my surgeon, like just a, it was already scheduled um, tomorrow. So hopefully, I mean, my rationalization of what's been going on is that I am building my quad strength and that's a really good thing. And so as like my knee, my quad has been in my hamstrings and stuff have been like starting to take the load off my knee, things are just moving around and like pressing in different places. And there's like some, you know, like fluid and creaking and things kind of settling in there. So that's my rationalization to keep me not panicking um, as I go through the days here. And again, it's like not painful. And so I think if it was painful, I'd be like way more worried, but this is just like really weird. It's like, Oh, are you sitting in a rocking chair? Oh no, that's just your, your knees. Like, Oh, cool. Like,
1: (laughs) but sounds like it could be uh, a very cozy, a cozy sound. Uh, (laughs) I I'm just like, also, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but I, uh, I am curious just like on the leg press, I guess. Are you, are you doing like single leg press? Are you doing double leg press? Like, how are you making sure? Like, you know, cause it is just one knee that had surgery and you want to balance things out. Right.
2: Yeah. So I start with the double leg press and I am doing like just below body weight with both legs and just kind of focusing on, cause like even when I started doing that, it was interesting because my mind was still telling my right leg to just like do the pushing, you know? And so I start with both legs and I'm actively trying to like make sure I'm engaging that left leg to take like half the load. Right. Right. So I do just like three sets of six with that. And then, then I do do single leg. I switch down to like half of that weight. And then, so I think I'm at like, I don't know. I think I'm doing like 70 pounds is what the nicest, like, you know, weight amount that you can shift to goes to. And then, um, doing, so yeah. So then I do single leg with that. And it's like, it's just crazy to watch like the difference between my left leg and how like just tenuous, it seems just doing, you know, a little bit of that motion. And then I give it the break while I do my other leg. And even though it feels quite easy to do the right leg, single leg, um, with that, I think it's, it just, um, is good to like keep engaging that obviously. And that's a good like rest period in between the rounds for, for my left leg too. So I am doing that and that's good. And that's, you know, it is helping me. I'm like, Noticing that stairs are starting to become more of a possibility soon, which is nice. Um, because it is it's like walk wow, going so slowly, like one foot at a time up and down the steps, is like you just your mind is like, I want to be all the way down the staircase by now, and you're just like halfway through. Um, so there's a lot of patience still involved with everything going on, but that's that. I did get on the rowing machine this morning to test it out and see because one of the things I really miss is like having my heart rate up and sweating like Haley, I can't remember the last time that I really sweat. And so I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, oh, you know, you can go to the sauna. And I was like, well, duh. So why didn't I think of that? It probably would feel really good to like get in the sauna and get some sweat going there. Um, But I still I'm like searching for an activity where it's, you know, not painful to go harder effort and to try and get my heart rate up, get sweating a little bit. And so my little mini test today on the rower was a success. So I am excited. You know, I can't like fully go bend my knee. So it's like still an abbreviated thing, but rowing is hard. So I think once I get my rhythm down with that, it takes me a little bit of time to get the coordination and to like really get the rhythm of the rower. But I think once I work that in more, I might, hopefully I can sweat this week. That's my goal.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Shooting you know, for the stars. Is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are a lot of triathletes that we've talked to who have backgrounds in rowing and then usually become very good cyclists. So, um, definitely some, some exercise or athleticism transfer there. Uh, did you have a chance to follow any of the racing this past weekend? Uh, last week we did talk to Lydia Russell, our editor and about the NCAA championship. I'm curious if you got to follow any of that action. I attempted to follow what
2: I could I we've talked about it a little bit before how it's sometimes hard to find coverage and things of that nature but I was closely watching social media waiting for updates I found some of the teams on their Instagram and they were posting like like, you know, in their story as the race was going on which doesn't give too much information but it's kind of fun to get some snapshots into the race. Um, and then I, you know, I did catch the the results, but what about you? Did you do a better job of finding like real time action going on? No,
1: that's not exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I, I think I was like, I know that a couple of the teams were trying to live stream. And so I did catch the F- division one, the heat two or division one and two, I think, heat two, uh, finish. And I saw Denver's, I think Myra Carew is who won. And I did actually, I think I saw all the way through Lydia getting 14th. Um, so I did see that. And then I was trying to kind of figure out the team scores from that because obviously heat one had already gone and then Heat two was finishing. And that was very challenging. I think I finally gave up and then someone texted me later because I, and I was like, maybe I can just add it up. And like, Based on kind of how I knew it was coming up, I was like, I think Arizona state won for division one, but I'm like, I truly like based on where the fifth place person was for Arizona state and then Queens university, I was like, I think that's how it went. But I was like, I can't, I can't tell beyond that. And I totally last week when I I talked to, I think Lydia about the scoring system, I had it totally wrong. Um, I thought it was like cross country scoring where First place would get one point and low score would win. Uh, but instead it wasn't. I think it was based off of the total number of starters in both heats. So there were 209 women who started in both heats. So first place actually got 209 points. And then second place got like 208. And so the scores were much, much higher than I anticipated because that took me a little while to figure out. So I apologize to anyone who was uh, trying to follow that. I'm sorry for my bad information. We're all learning and growing as this goes, but, um, but it makes sense in hindsight that they scored it that way. And, uh, it, it did look like really beautiful day for racing and Tempe and fast racing. And I did just spoiler alert, division one champs, Arizona state, seventh consecutive year. Very impressive.
2: Yeah, I think, um, so the, I'll run down the results for people, D1 ASU, um, second place was Queens Triathlon, third place, University of San Francisco, um, D2 results, Lenore Ryan is that, I'm guessing that's, I'm saying that correctly, right, Haley? Was it Lenore so. Ryan University, second was Wingate University, third Colorado Mesa, Mesa University, and D3 North Central College took the win, um, Trine. Trine University, Trine, Trine, I think Trine, Trine. right? Yeah. Okay. And then with second and third, Eastern Mennonite University. Um.
1: So and I mean, Sixth, was- sixth win oh. for NCC. I mean, That's in Division Three, So that was their yeah. sixth win, which uh very, very impressive. And I think Haley Poe, who won Division Three individual, who was on our show a year ago, uh, she won her third straight, like Division Three title, three for That's three. That's so cool. Pretty, yeah. Very, very cool um but congratulations to all the women out there racing and well and uh, we should add you know since we had Lydia on Lydia did finish 14th i think she had the second fastest run split i i did not fact check every all 208 oh. run splits but um but i do i mean she had a really, really good run finishing 14th i think that was a really great result for her and uve was fifth in their first you know inaugural season and I believe today are are we're talking to um an athlete from Navy where they finished ninth um and also their ne- inaugural season, and another thing I messed up last week I made a note for myself I I mentioned Delaware State was racing Hampton uh, University also sent athletes and scored points at the um in the Division One field and that's incredible so congratulations to both those teams who have been on the podcast I love to follow up with our guests and it was great 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 to see those teams on the. Points board. Scoreboard. Points board. (laughs) (laughs) The board that has the points. Um I I clearly pay a lot of of of, uh scored sports.
2: (laughs) Other racing that happened this weekend, Haley, was the WTS race down in Chile, where it was a little bit exciting. I mean, I feel like IT or I that style of racing is often exciting and what happens and whatever like the the finishes are often close and exciting, but this became kind of extra exciting where right. I believe the first like four or five women were ultimately DQ'd because they I think, you know, it was like a lap um run course and so my understanding is that you know, instead of running through the finish line, you're supposed to kind of go in a different shoot. It sounded like, and like take the laps that way. And it sounds like that first pack of women took the finish line shoot the first lap maybe. Um, and so that is like not technically the course. Right. And we all know WTS racing is sticklers for the rules in the course. And like, even though it can be seen as confusing to the rest of us, um, you know, that's part of, part of the job to know like the course and and how it runs. So, I think those women were all ultimately dehued, which set up Gwen Jorgensen, USA's Gwen Jorgensen for the win. Um, Gina Sereno, who we've also had on the podcast, was second. Am I right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I do think, and then Vicki Holland, who's also been on the show, finished third. And I do think... Uh, It was really interesting because I was following this one on social media as well. And I saw, I saw a video of Katie Zafaris winning the sprint finish coming across in first place and Gwen coming across third. And then I think a few hours later I was on social media and I was like the podium picture and it was Gwen in first, Gina in second and Vicky in third. And I was like, wait a second, were there two races? Like, I was just (laughs) very confused. I'm like, I swear I saw Katie win that. Um, And then I like, you know, read the recap where it said, Katie as well as uh, three other women. And so it was like four of the top five were DQ'd for that first lap infraction. So uh hearts out to them. That is a hard one. And uh, but I think, you know, I saw Katie give her a little recap and saying she was really proud of her race still. I mean, she still did have a really, really good run, came across that line first and next time she will, she'll know the course and, you know, she'll, she'll get that actual win and avoid the DQ. I'm sure all of them will. Yeah. I think whenever
2: I see the mistakes like that, in that style of racing, I'm like, "Ah, I bet that's like the only time that happens to them, right? Like it's going to be ingrained in your brain for all of time and, um, hard way to learn that lesson, but, um, great to see all of our U S women racing so strong right now.
1: Yes, I know. Still very exciting for that. The Paris 2024 Olympics, two U.S. women slots uh, still up for grabs. And we'll be anxiously watching for that in the uh, new year. And our mailbag, we are still collecting
2: mailbags from our listeners. So if you have questions you want Haley and I to tackle, send them into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And without further ado, Haley, we will move into our... Introduction. Uh this week we are talking to Reagan Quilty. She is a firstie, which is what seniors are called at the United States Naval Academy this year. And she's been a triathlete though since early childhood with experience. Um and she is now leading the Navy squad into their first season, which we said as a D1 team at the NCAA Collegiate National Championships. So um we talk with her while I talked to her about the season from the team perspective, as well as her personal journey this year, Haley was really fun to hear from Reagan as a midshipman, because I did spend two years at the Naval Academy. So I
1: reminisce a little bit about some of the, the stuff there and hopefully does I, it, I does it make you wish that they'd had a triathlon NCAA team when you were there?
2: Um, you know, that's a good question. I think the club team was so strong when I was there and there was a woman there, Justine Whipple, who like, she was winning. um, She was one of the winners. I think I need to like fact check myself on this. Um, When the club team had like the individual winner at club national championships. Right. So in my head, like they were already doing so well. And I was, it's just funny to me that I never, I don't even think I stopped to ask myself the question, like, why aren't they a D one team too? Right. And so because I didn't know that much about triathlon. Right. I still, I like hadn't gone down that path for myself yet, but I do remember, you know, they've been a force in that sport for quite a long time. Um, so I feel like the time for them to be in the D one the realm is overdue as it is for a lot of the schools, right. Who are racing so strong right now. Um, but okay. All of that said, Haley, we will hear from Reagan up next. Hi Reagan. Welcome to the iron women podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you just wrapped up a huge weekend out in Tempe, Arizona, where your triathlon team, the United States Naval Academy Women's Tri Team, took part in the NCAA Women's National Championship for Triathlon. And I have all sorts of questions for you about that. But first, I'm super interested to kind of introduce you a little bit more um, and your triathlon journey to our listeners. So... Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? I did a little bit of internet stalking and found that you do come from a military family. So I'm sure that was kind of an impetus to how you ended up at Navy. Um, But can you talk a little bit kind of about that? Was it always your dream to go to the Naval Academy or, you know, how did that how did that go?
0: Yeah, sure thing. Um, So as you mentioned, both my parents are actually graduates from the Naval Academy, um, graduated in 1989. Um, and so for those who don't know, the Naval Academy is four- year college, and then you have five years of Naval Marine Corps service and payment. So both my parents did their five years and then got out, had normal careers, went to business school. Um so I didn't grow up in a military family. I wasn't a military brat in that way, but they had that background. Um, I have an older brother, Zach, who's three years older, and he, you know, heard about my parents going to the Naval Academy. And, you know, since he was five, that was his dream. He was going to come here and was so excited and motivated to do that. Um, And when I was little, I heard that you had to go and they cut your hair and maybe you had guns. And I was like, "Mm, this is so not for me. Like, I do not want to be involved with that. Um, So I was not at all. This was not on my radar growing up. I just kind of you know, I was like, that's not going to be my thing. Um, so it actually wasn't until my brother came, um, his freshman year when he was, uh, as we call plebe here that I got to see his side of being a midshipman, uh, what it meant to be here, the type of people you're surrounded by, the actual jobs that you'll go to do in the Navy and Marine Corps. Um, and I was like, Hey, I, I, that kind of looks cool now. I think I could fit in. Um, My brother and I are very similar. So I was like, I might want to look at doing that. Started the application process. It's a very long process. Um, And then I actually didn't get in the first time. I was sent to NAPS or the Naval Academy Preparatory School. So I spent a year there. It's kind of like JUCO. Um, You're sent there to work on either athletics, your academics, uh, leadership, something that they have highlighted in your application that they think you need an extra year. Um, So for me, that was some of my math. And so did an extra year there. Still, there's zero commitment. So I was like, hey, I'll go. You know, worst case, I get paid, make some friends, get some credit. Um, But I went there and absolutely loved the military and the people I was surrounded by. Um, So decided that I would continue on to the Naval Academy. As for triathlon, um my mom is actually a coach, um, has been since I was five, I think. Um, my we grew up in Florida, so super hot, sunny, great weather. Kids' triathlons were major thing by us. Um, all the neighborhood kids would do them. There were some more competitive leagues. Um, but my brother did one, loved it. There wasn't a team, and so my mom who you know had been a rec soccer coach and you know super involved it was like oh well, I'll I'll start a team, um, so you know go on several years she has a national level team of youth and junior athletes. Um, so I've spent my whole childhood surrounded by triathlon. Um, all my siblings did it at one point. My older brother and younger sister, and so we all did it. Eventually, they both found their their own sports, my brother turning towards football and my younger sister towards soccer, Uh, but I stuck with it and competed in the youth and junior circuit throughout high school. Um, So a lot of experience there, mainly doing draft legal sprint distance triathlon um, with the occasional non-draft. But I've been involved in the sport and here at the academy was lucky enough to join the club triathlon team. So for the last, three years I have spent on the club team. We competed Olympic distance, non-draft racing,
2: um, which was fun. I have, to, I have a quick question for you too, before yeah. we get into that. Like you had found a lot of success as, you know, growing up in high school with them with triathlon. I have in my notes here that you, that team, I think that your mom was coaching, had four consecutive national championships. Mm-hmm. And was it, is it you yourself personally had all American honors three times? Yes. That's and good. so- you know, what was that like then for you as a high schooler with like triathlon as your main sport, right? Because I guess at that time there might've been murmurs of, you know, women's triathlon taking form, but like, were you able to even know that? Did you zero in on Navy even further because of the club team being quite good in triathlon?
0: Yeah. I, I guess when I was in high school. Uh, there was definitely some teams, you know, by even by middle school, teams had started, but didn't really yeah. know what was going to happen with that. Um, didn't know what types of schools were going to join. So I wasn't really counting on that um, for college. But I had a lot of fun competing in triathlon. It's a very fun kind of unique thing to do in high school based on the fact that there's not high school teams, there's clubs, um, you know, so I would, Florida, we have swim in the fall and cross country. So I would only swim. Um, i actually very grateful now looking back that my school would make me choose because I have friends who would try to do both. And that was just, you know, so much on a whole bunch of 15 year olds. Um, so I would swim in the fall and then run track in the spring. And then come summer would do triathlon. So I kind of had all these fun, weird friend groups that, you know, part of the year I was a swimmer and I was on my swim club and my high school club. And then all of a sudden I was with the track kids. And then you'd have these friends that you'd make all over the country that would meet up for this youth and junior races. Um, So travel you know, my team that I was a part of for the last several years of high school Z3 is based out of Des Moines, Iowa. And so uh, I had a lot of friends in Iowa, I spent two or three summers home staying up there um, with friends. So I would, you know, live with them and train with them and travel to races with them. Um, only because there, there weren't many girls, girls my age, where we lived in, in Florida. Florida. Um, um there was like a whole younger crowd that were maybe four or five years younger than me. Um, But I didn't really have anyone quite at my level. So really enjoyed that getting to go up to Des Moines and race and try and train and travel with a whole bunch of girls my age. Um, By the time I was looking at college, I still was kind of unsure. unsure. Um, Obviously the time ASU was, you know, everyone's goal um and i talked to cliff and was looking at a possibility of walking on um and then it ended up not quite working out so at that point i you know talked to south dakota a little bit i i think usf didn't even have a coach when i first um was looking at colleges cuz i also graduated in 2019 that you know extra year gap um and so, at that point, I started looking into a lot of club programs. So, you know, my mom had always been like, you know, Navy has trap on, and I was like, that that's cool. I'll I'll leave that on my list. Um, but I also looked into several Colorado schools. So, CU Boulder and Colorado, Colorado State um, both had educational programs that I was really interested in, and then met with their coaches, their teams, kind of chatted with them. them. Uh, both have very successful programs, so those were both high up on my list. Um, but in the end, I kind of decided triathlon was going to put that aside and decide where I wanted to go. Um, first and foremost, and that was coming to the Naval Academy. Um, so was willing to take that extra year off of training and racing to do that extra year of school at Naps. Uh, before coming here and joining the team.
2: Okay. Okay. So. And so you, you get to Navy, this tri-team has won club nationals twice, I believe in 2009, 2018. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when was it that you got word or like, again, was there rumors for quite a while that Navy was in line to be a D1 program? You know, how did that kind of unfold for you guys?
0: Yeah, it's actually really funny. I, um, you know, thought it'd be cool, and it was like this weird dream. Like, oh, that'd be cool. If, like, maybe conveniently went D one while I was there, uh. But didn't at all consider it. And then last season, um, my coach Billy Edwards started giving what apparently he calls hints. Maybe I'm just dense, um, but kept like hinting little things and like saying weird phrases. And I just I wasn't picking up on it. I was like, are are you okay? Like, is everything fine? Um, and so I was very surprised uh, when he actually made the announcement to us girls and announced that it was a possibility. um, and at that point, we went and got the opportunity to make our case with the athletic department, um, which was super cool, kind of getting that opportunity to prove yourself to your school
2: that hey, we have the potential uh take us on. So were there I- any mixed emotions at all that, like, this would be such a long road. Like, you know, I mean, I think of going into, you know, your first year, senior year, and it's like you have the opportunity to potentially be at the top of the club game, you know, or it could be the beginning of a very long road for a D1 program. So were there mixed emotions? Um, I think there definitely were
0: that. It was very hard to think of leaving the club team because we have such a long history and culture on that team and you know to think back to all those people that came before you and have been so successful and you know we had the potential to be successful again and it's kind of it was scary to be like, okay, are we, you know, gonna mess up, leaving this thing that we know is good and go look for something else. Um, and really sad to leave our boys, you know, it's being on a co ed team is really fun. <laughs> And have a lot of great friends. And so it was really sad to leave them and be like, oh, we're taking this extra special opportunity, you know, and this is something that you don't get. So that was really hard. But I think in the end, we all kind of agreed that this was such such a a unique thing. Um, And also, this was definitely the year it had to happen. that was a huge way we were able to push it to the athletic department was that uh, the other senior, Sarah Jarman and I, both grew up doing draft legal youth and junior elite triathlons. So we had that draft legal experience. And, you know, if it had been one extra year, we would have had nobody on the team who'd done that before. And so this year was really for us just all about sharing all of our knowledge, helping our girls, like creating that base in the sport. Um, Because Navy is awesome that we have this standard on the club team that we will take, amazing athletes like you can come from any sport obviously you know it helps if your background's in one of the three but we'll take rowers we'll take <laughs> rugby players whatever you got if you're a great athlete we can take you and make you a great triathlete and so I think that's kind of the mindset that always been on the club team is you can just be a gritty hard-working athlete um, and kind of put put your head down in that solo style sport but now moving to this more team-oriented draft legal setting, it took a little more finesse that we were going to have to make sure everyone figured out um, and all the different strategy
2: within the racing. And so, you know, I want to give our listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the differences between kind of your life as a student athlete at a school like the Naval Academy versus, you know, um, a non-military college or university. And so talk a little bit about that, because you have your academic obligations, you have military obligations daily, and then you now have the obligations that come with being a D1 athlete. So how is that balance kind of found at a place like Navy?
0: It's definitely the number one thing we struggle with here is balancing and overworking ourselves. Um, We have a lot of obligations you know, no matter what it comes to. So we have pretty full academic course loads here. Um, most people are taking probably 18, 19 credits. Uh, nobody takes below 15 credits here. So that's, you know, you're, maybe your you're senior, your first year, you're taking 15 credits. Um, and it's built, our schedule's built a lot like, I'd say like a high school block schedule, you know, four classes in the morning, a lunch block and two classes in the afternoon sports period after that study period after that um so your day is pretty regimented uh, and it's hard to work around so for us we have practice in the morning a couple days a week we swim in the pool the days we don't swim in the morning we swim at lunch so we miss lunch um and then we'll get you know probably 10 minutes to quickly eat food at King Hall Our, um, I guess, cafeteria, you could call it. So, so very busy. You hit, you know, your last two classes and then you're running back to quick change and head out to Halsey where we have our, our bikes stored, um, or the track or wherever you're going. And then alongside all that, we have, you know, formations and different military obligations. A lot of people are involved the team are involved in different things in company. Um, Sarah, Sarah Dorman, another senior, she's a company XO. So she's second in command for 150 people, you know, like a pretty large responsibility that she's in charge of all these people and everything going on in their lives. Um, I'm a squad leader. I have 10 people that, you know, I'm their direct chain of command and I'm in charge of them. All of our you know, juniors and youngsters taking up responsibilities in clubs, in their companies, um, working with the freshmen. There's people that will take charge of morning workouts. So even if we're not working out, um, you know, at the mil- military academy there are morning workouts for someone else. So people will step up, run those morning workouts for their freshmen, uh the plebes. So there's always always something to do here always something to keep you busy uh very rarely having that downtime. so that's definitely one of our biggest challenges as a team is we all want to be
2: super involved with everything so we need to make sure we're not overworking ourselves and reagan you have kind of an extra like layer to add to potentially your stress or your life this year because i believe that you are facing a pretty serious knee injury. And so can you, you know, I can commiserate with you probably on another podcast for a whole hour about how that goes and how decisions go of what you're going, when and how to get it fixed and what to push through and what to kind of race with. And so tell our listeners about what happened this season and kind of decisions that went along with that for you personally.
0: Yeah. So we're super excited. We go D1. you yeah, know, I'm a senior. Really excited to see how the season goes. Um, And then it came to summer. And then at the Naval Academy, our summers are split up into three blocks, we like to call them, where you spend two of them doing military trainings, something with the military that are kind of like internships. So you get to see, you know, different ships, different planes, things like that to help you decide what job you want afterwards. Um, So I was with the Marines down in Quantico doing a training we call Leatherneck. Where you spend a month out in the woods, um, learning how to do attack formations with a rifle and getting down dirty, super fun, challenging thing um, that you need to do in order to later qualify to be a marine. And it was the third day, and I was out on the obstacle course, and I made a little mistake when coming down from these—I don't know—probably twelve-foot double parallel bars. You have to jump up and pull yourself and weave through and I jumped down. And unfortunately, we always say grab dirt. So, you know, bend your knees and lean forward. So that way you can absorb uh, the shock. And I didn't grab dirt and my knee locked out and I tore my ACL in my right knee and sprained my meniscus. So major bummer, Um, not only for, you know, my month there, my time with the Marines, but also you know, looking at this season. So uh, while there, we weren't quite sure, didn't think it was an ACL tear, just thought it was an MCL sprain, Um, had access to trainers. So I was doing physical therapy every day, was icing, Um, obviously no longer running or doing any of the super intense things, uh, but being involved where I could. And then I came back after that month and came to the academy. And, you know, one of the perks of being D1 varsity athlete is get that medical care um <laughs> immediately so got that mri and turns out i had a torn acl um which was a big surprise because i had within that last month of being with the marines and doing PT, had pretty much stabilized my knee um so they were like wow you know this looks great i think you just bring your mcl that's good now and looking at that mri they found that tear and determined that I probably have had a minor tear, um, for a long, long time, like possibly several years that I have just worked around and strengthened my knee and my legs so much to counteract it. Um, so that was super crushing, um, not knowing, you know, super sad for my season, but also potentially my career, uh, if I wanted to be a Marine, you know, not knowing if that's something I could do. Um, so we decided because I'd stabilized my knee that I was going to take another month or so and try to strengthen my knee and see if I could go without surgery. So did more PT. I was getting back into running a bit with a brace. Things were getting better. Um, you know, still not awesome, but I had the opportunity to swim and bike. So You know, being in the water started out with soft kicking and got to the point that I was almost swimming like normal. Definitely in my right side was a little weaker, um, a little less force. And then biking, you know, almost back to what, you know, I didn't focus on power as much this year, but some of our time pieces, um, you know, hitting almost the same as I had in the past, a little below. So that was really, you know, rewarding to see that I was building back even with this, you know, injury. Uh, But my running got to the point where I was, you know, I'd kind of hit that wall and wasn't getting much better, was pretty painful. Um, And so we made the decision that I probably was looking at surgery. And so for me, then it was determining um, what I could do with this season. So I talked with my trainers and they said, because, you know, triathlon is such a, one movement sport there's no cutting there's no you know if I was a lacrosse soccer football he's like this would not at all be an option but because you swim bike and run in a straight line essentially that I could probably get away with it um so planned on finishing out the season with the knee as was you know obviously doing PT and strengthening it where I could and have surgery planned for um this Friday actually so we'll get that done and that also gives me enough time to hopefully recover um before my career starts up when I graduate probably setting me back uh, a couple classes when I get out of here for my next you know step in my career um but only being a couple months behind instead of you know a year down the road having my knee collapse and having to start back from square one so super lucky to have been able to have this season I had which consisted of you know probably running, I think I finished two or three of my races, um, with the rest of them pulling out uh, after the bike, um, running the first, you know, quarter mile whatnot and pulling out just to be on the safe side. Um,
2: well, and I'm sure it was really, you know, helpful for your team to have you still not that, You know, you were a you were a great role model through this process, not in the sense of everyone should make that exact decision, right? That was like a personal one for you and based Mm -hmm. on all sorts of factors, your personal injury and everything, right? So I don't want everyone saying we're advocating always race injured, right? Like that's not gonna be the answer for everyone, but they got to see you in a position where you were still able to like to do what you can, right? And so many times that's what sport is about. And so I'm sure the team was really grateful to still have you there alongside every step of the way for this this first push to Nationals as a D1 team. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your coach, Billy Edwards, you've mentioned him a couple times now, has been quoted as saying that the history and culture of Navy triathlon is to grow and develop athletes to be great future Naval officers. And so, you know, that's interesting because I think when people – maybe look at a service academy, they might see the sports teams as being kind of separate and compartmentalized from that track as they're becoming naval officers, right? So what are what have you found um, in your time, you know, there and also with your just experience having an older brother, right, in the academy as well, where you're seeing the parallels between triathlon and sport, right? It doesn't have to be super tri-specific, but, and becoming that Naval officer that you will be in a matter of months.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely like one of the easiest connections to make is being in a sport, especially a large team sport, but even smaller, you know, triathlon and semi-individual sport, you know, people look at it and they're like, you're just, you're finishing on your own, but really it's a team sport. Um, But any sport, you learn how to work with people through really hard situations you learn you know the definition of grit and hard work when you're out there day in day out you know performing through highs and lows uh you learn a lot about leadership you learn so much you know having those highs and lows with people and personal relationships um and so sport is one of the easiest ways i feel to develop your leadership. Uh, one of the most natural ways. And so it's definitely, you know, different when you take it out of that sports setting, and you're now in a formal um, leadership role as, you know, platoon commander or a squad leader, and you have these people under you. Um, but really, my approach to it has always been, this is a sports team, this is, you know, it's a different type of team, maybe, you know, we're not going to score our goal you know, on another team and, you know, get a touchdown, but what what is our version of a touchdown? You know, what does it mean for us to succeed? Um, so it's just a different perspective um, of looking at it all, but triathletes I think are that extra special, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're out there doing triathlons, you're gritty. Like you, you've been through it. Um, so I, I think definitely the people on the team are some of, you know, the best potential to develop into great leaders because they have that hard work and that passion. Um, they can really push through those difficult situations.
2: And so now we're in the current season. Um, you you guys are D one right going into the fall racing, and so ultimately the team ended up winning this like at large bid to race in the fastest heat of the D1 teams at nationals. And so, but I think that was kind of like, you know, a very suspenseful season for you all to have. Right. So what did the, the racing kind of look like for the team leading up to that? Because I think that was kind of, that came, you know, that news came to you guys, I think pretty late in the season that that was where you fell to go to nationals with.
0: Yeah, it was super exciting. Um, Looking at our season, we definitely had a very packed season compared to a lot of other teams um with a ton of racing on the front half. you know, some schools only raced, you know, one or two races before regional qualifiers. We tried to shove as many in there as we could because we really believed that getting that experience, racing draft legal, the best way to do it was just a race, you know, and we had great fitness. We just had to, learn our technique and our style and how to work together um so definitely built as the season went learned a lot like each race you know had mistakes had problems arise um and and learn from them and develop and so for us regionals was kind of the highlight we didn't know you know where we would be at nationals we didn't know what to expect from nationals um so kind of looked at regionals as this, this was our big game. Um, so prepped for that and super excited. So going into regionals was a lot of, a lot, lot of stress from some of the girls. girls and kind of the first time we had that pressure to perform, um, but handled it super well, especially with a different, you know, with racing, we often look at morning races. and So that was our first afternoon race. Um, would you think hey no big deal just you know change the race by a couple hours but can really mess with someone who has you know honed into that specific you know race warm up food sleep whatever it may be um so working on being very adaptive to whatever our, our situation was um and did really well with that and the girls were able to perform very well um and so then we just sat back on our heels and you know, for a couple of days, we're crossing our fingers, like waiting, hoping uh, that we were able to sneak out that last spot. And so we were super excited. Um, Like, definitely, everyone was so excited to get that final spot. You know, looking at our first year, our first season and getting into that, that top wave was super exciting news for us.
2: And so what was it like to arrive in Tempe this year? What was the atmosphere like? Um, what were kind of like your, your pre-race days as a team? Is there a lot of interactions with the other teams going on? What's going on out there in Tempe?
0: Yeah, it was super cool. Um, we showed up, flew in super late
2: Wednesday night.
0: Um, cause we had many classes all day Wednesday. So flew in late Wednesday night and then built our bikes on Thursday and got to review the course a little bit. And there were a couple teams out and about. You would, you know, see them in the distance, but people, you know, weren't really gathered or anything. Um, Didn't have any other teams at our hotel, which I was honestly a little bummed about. I always think it's fun when you run into people at the hotels and, you know, your bikes get hit each other in the
2: hallways and you're like, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no better way to meet another person than like trying to fit like four people and four bikes into an elevator yes. or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um so we didn't really see many teams and then
0: that Thursday night there was a banquet for all the teams um just kind of talking about the season as it's been as far and then an opportunity to pick select um select the start spots for Saturday morning and so you know we were in this big banquet hall and all the teams showed up and all the girls had you know super fun outfits on and there was food and speakers and awards um, and it was super cool just to show up and see that many girls in a room and coaches and support staff all committed to the sport and the development of you know women's draft legal triathlon. like such a cool opportunity just to be a person in that room. um, you know, and coming from that background, I had a lot of friends in the room that you know i had were on different teams or I had met in the past. um, so just kind of to see you know, over the years, how we've all gotten to this really cool place, and had all these opportunities afforded was really exciting. Um, After that, on Friday, we did, you know, our kind of big race review, going down to the course, and that's where you get most of the teams down there. Um, You had set swim warm-up times and things like that, and kind of fun. I, I really love the mental side of sport, and so you're starting to see, like, the tense looks from some people and the posturing and you know people at their team tents and super fun to see everyone kind of getting in their element, getting that game face on, um, getting ready for the race. Um, just super exciting to to see all the girls out there from
2: whatever school they were from. And race day was on Saturday and being in that first heat. Um, it also like allowed you to have all seven, seven women, right. Starting in that heat together. So can you, I mean, I was able to catch glimpses of people's like Instagram lives to see, how, but it kind of looked, did you all walk down to the water and then like the heats, like as a team and then the heat started together or what was I seeing with the teams, like kind of marching down to the water and like starting that way. Was that part of the the process?
0: Yeah. So we, they called us in, um, by our ranking And we went to our pre-designated spot that we had picked on Thursday night. Okay. um, okay. You know, each team in a row. And then due to there being so many girls, 99 girls on that start line. So we were too, too large for the beach this year. And so we had to do an in-water start. So they had two buoys lined up and a swim lane line, you know, rope. Okay the buoys and then they pulled the teams in you know starting on the left side um all the way down until
2: everyone was in the water okay okay that makes sense yeah I was like someone needs to film this whole thing for me so I can see exactly what's going on um and then talk a little bit about kind of how you know the race unfolded as a team you I will like give the spoilers here that the navy (laughs) team ended up ninth out of the 13 teams in your heat you had your team's top finisher, uh, was Haley Harris, I believe. She was 36th. And the next top finisher was Sarah Jarman, like you said, fellow firstie um and 60th. So how did kind of it come about? I think, you know, were you able to work together on the swim and the bike? Um, you know, were there any surprises out there for your team?
0: Yeah, uh definitely a super interesting day for us. You know, super excited, had put in all that prep. And Everyone was able to perform, but I don't think it was quite representative of what an awesome build our season has been. Um, That just kind of seemed to be one of those races where people just had those hiccups. Um, The swim start was definitely interesting for us. Um, The swim, you know, because they had us lined up between those two buoys, something they had not anticipated was the girls in the middle that line, you know, wasn't secured to anything. So they were kind of able to pull that line forward a bit. And so by the time the race started, that center group of girls had almost maybe a 10 yard head start Hmm. on the rest of the field, um, with just the give that that line had in it. And so kind of had some non-ideal swims, um, from some of the girls who would normally expect to come out earlier. Um, But overall, you know, set themselves up for decent packs. Um, We had several of our team members working together and then heading on that bike. Super excited for our sophomore, um, Anna Wecklick, who was out in the first uh, chase pack. She's an amazing swimmer, amazing biker. Uh, We're super excited to see her up there and then had... You know, just one of those days that took a little tumble and, you know, someone clipped her wheel and she skid out, so missed that pack, but, you know, totally in character, was right up, you know, got moving, was on that next pack by the time it got to her. Um, we also had Emily Vela, one of our juniors, who, again, someone clipped a wheel, you know, sent her down. She was down, but able to get back up in the next pack. Um, so we definitely had some hiccups like that that you know are always hard to deal with. Um, was definitely surprised overall by the pace of the bike. Um, when you're looking at the top speed of like the top pack, they maxed out at 20.7, mm-hmm. where normally at a race we'd look at you know 24, 25 miles per hour is where that top pack is moving. Um, but kind of a testament to how technical this course was. Um, We did have, you know, some solid straightaways, but a lot, three um, major 180s and several sharp turns down a hill, up a hill really made the bike a lot slower than um, it might have been in the past. And so definitely on a team like ours where our bike, skills and strength is one of our strong suits, kind of was a little frustrating where we weren't able to showcase those um that strength and those skills. And then getting out on the run, just kind of letting rip everyone, you know, putting out anything they have left, um, on a super straight, flat, wide open course, you know, you can see everyone in front and behind you. So definitely, you know, in the heat of the day at three o'clock approaching 85 degrees out there it was a hot run and um, definitely you could tell who took care of themselves on the bike getting in that nutrition and liquids that they needed because um, there were many girls that you know passed you know finished and you know dropped like a rock or needed immediate medical attention because um, it was some heat that a lot of schools you know any schools in the you know northeast, I may have even been looking at snow or in Colorado, you know, I've seen snow the last couple of days and you're now heading into the desert where it's super hot and dry. Um, so definitely the schools down in Arizona and some of the Southern schools had that advantage of prepping in that heat um, and being ready for it where other schools did not quite have that opportunity. Um, but at the end of the day, super excited with how everyone did on the team and, you know, couldn't be more proud for a first season, not even knowing, you know, where we would end up at nationals to even be in that that top heat. Um, super, super exciting, super
2: proud of how everyone performed. And what about your day personally from a race perspective? How did that unfold for you, Reagan? Yeah, um,
0: I was super excited. I had decided with Um, my coaches and trainers that I was going to finish out in the run really wanted to be able to finish, you know, my one opportunity to do this race. Um, unfortunately, you know, life may have other plans and Friday night I woke up with a super high fever. So not ideal for racing, um, took some Tylenol, um, and just tried to forget about it you know, know, not, not super fun, but but didn't necessarily necessarily tell my team. I told my coaches, um, but didn't want anyone on my team to worry about, you know, how I was going to do. So just, you know, stepped up, raced what I could, um, super sad to, you know, kind of had the worst race of my life, um, which is a bummer, but, you know, really kind of helps bring a perspective, you know how lucky I am to have this opportunity, to have the body that can compete at this level, even if I'm not doing it right now. Um I dropped off a pack and then just was finishing out the bike. And at that point it was really overheating and couldn't finish out the run. So I had to pull out on the run. Um, so really hard for me personally, but you know I have awesome support team. Billy is awesome. And you'll know, pull me aside, let me have my moment of like this sucks, I'm so mad. And then we turn right around, we're all on the race course, out there cheering, supporting my team, um, helping to get them through to that finish line. So definitely not what I would have loved to see for myself. Would have loved to cross that finish line. Um, but you know you have to listen to your body, and when it says it's enough, you got to be able to say it's enough. And so super proud of myself for being able to do that if nothing else.
2: Yeah, and that unfortunately also doesn't set you up to take part in too many celebrations probably <laughs> with the team later that day. Um oh. were the were the women able to celebrate were you guys like super pumped um to yeah, have, you know, gotten the team through that first national championship? Yeah, everyone was so
0: excited. We were so lucky to have so many parents and families come out. um, And so I think everyone had a great night, went out to get dinner. I was, you know, asleep in the hotel room, taking tons of medicine with my fever that had returned. So missed out on some of that, but super happy that everyone else got that opportunity to, you know, sit in it. Um, And then we always do our race debrief. So luckily we saved that until, you know, we came back and I was feeling a little better. Got to be part of that, um, but everyone was super excited to have that opportunity, you know, honestly, to just fly halfway across the country, you know, and have your family meet you is just so fun. Um, so really, everyone
2: got to enjoy that. And the race did fall, I believe it fell exactly on um, Veterans Day. So, you know, did that kind of hold a higher meaning for the team? Were you so in the zone for the race that it wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I know you guys acknowledge it because i am it's like front of mind for you, right? But was there kind of that deeper bond because there was the coincidental dates for this race?
0: Yeah, it, it really was a kind of fun, big weekend for us that um, we had the 11th being Veterans Day and then November 10th actually being the Marine Corps birthday. Um, and so our coach, Billy Edwards, uh, is a Marine, um, graduated from the Academy and served as a Marine. So, you know, that was super fun for us to poke at him. Um, he won't tell us his actual birthday. He's always told us his birthday is November 10th. And so, you know, that's when we get to celebrate his birthday is, is the Marine Corps birthday.
2: Um, oh, so oh, that's that, was amazing. that brings fun. back a lot of fun memories of Marines from <laughs> when I did two years at Navy. Um, because yeah, the Marines did love to do that. And for our listeners, the Marine Corps birthday is a very special day to them. It is celebrated. It's like held in high regard um, for all Marines. And so it's, yeah, I can see how that kind of coming together would have been fun for the team.
0: Yeah. We were leaving the race course after warm ups, and we'd been waiting all day and um, had been playing some Nickelback. We love Nickelback on Fridays. We do Nickelback Fridays and he was really into that. And then we quickly switched over to Marine Corps hymn, and everyone was screaming it, windows down, and <laughs> he was he was loving it. Um, so happy. So, oh, that's um,
2: awesome. I like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a fun weekend with a little bit of extra meaning to us. Um, super excited race day morning to look up, and you know the the race started right next to a really big bridge, and it's super cool because they hang all, of, you know, the schools get to bring their their you know, team flags, their school flags and they hang them all up. And, you know, we were getting down to the race start and looking up there, looking for ours and seeing that it was hung right up next to the American flag. And we we're like, yep. As like super motivating as it should be. We'll see. You. We'll be right next to that.
2: Um, super fun for us to see. Oh, that's awesome. That gives me, gives me some goosebumps. Um, and Reagan, what does the rest of the school look like for the team now is, I mean, you are located in Annapolis, Maryland so winter mm-hmm. is not like a prime you know it's not a terrible winter there but it's not exactly prime triathlon season but um you know does the team just as you know continue on as they're racing in the spring what is that going to look like for you all
0: yeah um definitely different for us this year you know this is the first time on the club schedule we used to be a fall and spring sport with our nationals being in the spring so this is first time we have, you know, our our season championship is in the fall. And so, you know, also being varsity, there's new NCAA rules we're following, you know, and how much you can practice post championship and all the stuff. So we're working with all that. Um, But also, Billy is awesome that he understands for a lot of us, you know, we do want that opportunity to be more involved in school and on our teams. Um, so we have a race weekend, March 2nd, 3rd, I think, uh, the Claremont draft legal challenge is the race they'll be doing in the spring. Um, so we come back from winter break to we'll about two months of solid training competing there, um, and then being able to ease out again. But, um, really our focus now is where the girls determined to be personally. So, um, Especially junior year here, there's a lot of physical things that happen. Um, Several of our juniors have to do screeners. So if you want to look at doing potentially SEALs or EOD, Explosive Operation Disposal, um, you have these weekend-long physical challenges. Um, So a lot of our girls are looking at training for those, building strength, doing some pool skills. really. You know, fun, that a different type of fitness, getting that military fitness specific fitness back um from their triathlon you know endurance level fitness. Um, so really getting to hone in on, you know those different things girls want to do for their military career before coming back next semester, um getting that, you know one one more good racing weekend in and and figuring out that that military stuff they have to do to get them prepared. Uh, for also the upcoming
2: summer trainings. Yeah, that's super interesting. I didn't think about that, that like, you know, the military tests are usually lots of sit-ups, push-ups, pull-ups, like those kinds of things, and not necessarily strength you're always building when you're doing swim, bike, and run, right? And the two can kind of counteract each other. So that is that is really interesting for people who, you know, you obviously need to be to be finding that balance for both. Um, and mm-hmm. when are our um, service assignments kind of given out for first season where, you know, do you know for sure what you will be? It sounds like you are hoping to go Marines, right? Do we know if that's set in stone yet? Um, I find out on Thursday.
0: So, oh my this gosh. Is- okay. Oh. <laughs> this is a really, really big week for us. Like I've been counting on the days for weeks. Um, Thursday at noon, we'll all go in a room with your company, so the 30, 40 other people in your class, in your company, and one by one, they tell you what you're doing for the next five years. So super excited, like definitely getting jitters waiting for that, Um, but very excited,
2: hopeful uh, Marine Corps ground officer. Okay, well, this will be coming out on Thursday too. So I'm sure all of our listeners as we, you know, are up before that um, and listening are keeping their fingers crossed for you and sending all good vibes possible for you um, that that will play out. And thank you for taking the time today. I think that it will be really inspiring for everyone to hear your story and your personal ups and downs, but also, you know, just congratulations on being a part of leading this team um, through the you know the journey to the national championships I mean that's so exciting I think uh, Haley and myself are just like we're always so excited to talk to the NCAA like women athletes that we get to talk to because it's it's such an exciting time for our sport and to know that it's in good hands with women like yourself is um really really nice for us to <laughs> to be a small part of that Um, and so, yeah, Reagan, good luck! Thank you so much. Um, we will be following the Navy team and cheering them on as I'm sure they continue to grow and develop. Awesome, thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks to Reagan, and congrats to all the women who raced in that NCAA championship last weekend. You are the future of the sport. I'm excited to cheer you on and see all the great things you do in the coming years. Also, I forgot to mention earlier that I mean. I'm stuck in off season. I'm stuck. I act like it's a bad thing. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, but, uh, but racing is still happening. And this weekend, the Latin American championships for 70.3 are happening in Fortaleza, Brazil, which is a uh, location that's near and dear to my heart, Alyssa. That's actually where I won my first Ironman in 2014. And it had the, at that time, like the hardest swim I've ever done in my life. I think they've changed the course slightly and it's not quite as uh, extreme. It's like I think it's like the kite surfing capital of Brazil, just incredibly windy, incredibly windy, incredibly hot. So, um, but also one of my best, best racing memories. So I'm excited to follow the action down in Brazil and best luck to everyone racing there. Oh, that is funny. I feel like when I raced in Lanzarote, Lanzarote, um,
2: it was known as like the kite surfing capital of, I don't know, Europe, right? The world, something right. And so those, whenever you you're, if you're ever racing in somewhere that's known for kite surfing be ready for the win, I think. Right. Um, but yeah, exciting to watch all the racing that's still going on while we aren't on the start lines, Haley right now, but for various reasons, um, and thanks so much to Reagan for coming on to talk to us and wrapping up, uh, the NCAA women's triathlon national championships, super fun conversation. So Haley, uh, keep enjoying that off season. I,
1: you know, I hope maybe, maybe we, you can just keep watching that Taylor Swift movie over and over. I'm too. going to, it it's, does wonders for my mental health. So I felt like will be <laughs> once it's on streaming, I think I will be doing all my like trainer rides exclusively to the Eras tour movie, but I highly recommend it. If anyone hasn't seen it, or if you have go again, I think it's, it is a, a wonderful thing to watch. All right, Haley, have a good week. Bye Alyssa. You've been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Titian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.